Well, good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 8. All right, let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for another morning, and I know that as we look at this topic of sin, uh, it can seem discouraging, um, but it's not. I believe that it's the part of the story, it's the gospel, and I don't think the gospel is just one part of the Bible, I think it's the whole story, it's the whole book. God, we understand your goodness when we actually address that we've sinned, we are sinners, And so, God, I pray that you would lead us in this time and lead us to truth. God, thank you for grace. Teach us only you can, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Amen. If I was to ask you, are you a good person? I feel like most people, I feel like even most here would say, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. And we start to compare. It's like, well, I'm better than this person. Like, think of what that person over there has done. We start to compare like the worst, the quote unquote worst of society and I'm not as bad as they are. I may not be the best, but I'm not the worst. At least I'm kind of in the middle and so yeah, I'm a pretty good person. And here's the thing, if I was to go out and to ask people that question, most people I think they'd say, well, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. I don't think I'd, I've ever heard of anyone just say, I'm horrible. Even those who might be doing something to someone else, they might see from their perspective that what they're doing is right. So if I was to ask you, are you a good person? But... And you, if you were to say yes, then I say, well, who, who are you comparing yourself with? Because God's, God's standard is himself. Remember that? Remember that for the first message we looked at when we were talking about who God is and he's massive and he created everything, he spoke everything to existence. He's also holy. He's sinless. That sin cannot be in the presence of God and yet God made himself a man to come and to, to help us and to draw us back to Jesus. But It's weird how quick we are to make sure that people, well, I don't want you to think that you're too bad, and yet God says something different in his word. So we go back to what does the Bible say, Psalm 51, 5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. Iniquity is another word for sin. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Isaiah 64, 6, we're all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. What that means is this. So that passage means this. So Pretend like I do something that is the most, um, it's the most generous, it's the most purely motivated, and I present that to God, and then compared to God and his holiness, it's like a filthy rag. It's not clean. And so I don't know about you, but when you start reading things in the Bible, going, okay, so it just seems hopeless. I mean, is it really this bad? And a lot of times what people do is they, go, they just look at the, the commandments and they go, okay, so I'm going to make myself right with God by doing all of these things that the Bible says. That'll make me right with God, right? No. But before we can get to the good news, we have to continue with what it is that God came to fix. In, in Mark chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So if I was to ask you, hey, are you a good person? And you say, well, yeah, but then Jesus would come, out, come along and say, hey, no one's good except God. So then do we look at ourselves and say, okay, so I might not be good, but God is good. Or do we sit there and go, yeah, I know Jesus said that, but I'm still pretty good. Isn't it amazing how we, can t- we take the Bible and, by- and when, when the Bible speaks to us, like God speaks to us through the Bible, 
we'll start to decide which parts we agree with and which parts we don't, which parts we like and which parts we don't like. Instead of sitting there going, this is God's word. This is what he says. This is not his opinion. This is truth. And then my opinion, my agenda should always come in submission to who he is and what it is that he says is true. Mark chapter 7, 21 to 23 says, For from within, out of the heart of man, or out of the, heart of, out of, the heart of people. Guys, uh, I don't know if you guys still do this. I remember growing up, um, Valentine's Day would come along. I went to a small little Christian school, um, and, but mom made me take Valentine's for everyone in the class. And I'd be honest, I hated every part of that. Like, I didn't understand, like, what is the day for? It's like, oh, what, are, what are all these hearts for? And I'm giving hearts to boys. Like, I don't get it. These are my friends. We're always just throwing dirt clods at each other. And now I'm giving, like, a card and candy. Like, it doesn't make sense in my head. But that's what we had to do. And then you get older, and then there's, like, the, the, you see a husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend. They're just, they, just love each, they just love each other. And they'll give, like, a card that says, I just want to give you my heart. Like, you have my heart. And we go, oh, my gosh, they really love each other. Like, that just feels so good. Like, when you give someone your heart, do you realize what you're giving them? And here's what Jesus says our heart is. Okay, so this is what someone is giving on Valentine's Day. For from within, out of the heart of a person, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Let me give you my heart. <laughs> Let me just give you this list. And none of us would do any of these things, right? Isn't it amazing? We'd actually kind of, we start to grade which sins are the worst. So let's just do this. Have you ever been jealous over something that someone else has? Has that jealousy ever caused you to start speaking behind their back? To kind of start backbiting about it. It's like talking about them to your friends and starting a little, a little bit of a battle or war with that person. And then that person gets their little, their little crew and you got your little crew and then you got this little battle going on, right? You sit there and go, but I'm justified because do you know what they did? Guys, that's sin. You've ever wanted something that somebody else has? You've ever, ever thought that you're better than somebody else? You ever looked down on somebody else? You ever spoken ill about anyone? Guys, be honest. Everyone in the room, how many of you like gossip? Who likes gossip? Come on, be honest. Be honest. Guys, I think most of us should ever hand up. We don't like gossip, it's about us, but we sure like to hear it about other people, don't we? This is the phrase. Hey, have you ever, hey, did you hear about? And you're like, no. And then we as Christians, we'll, we'll, sometimes we'll just kind of cover it up a little bit this way. Guys, did you hear about so-and-so? We should pray for them. Let me tell you every detail of the sin that they're in so that you can hear about it and know how to pray for them. As if God's sitting there going, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Tell me all the details. So share with me all the information that you, that you know and then pass that on, information on to each other because of course when you pass on the information to each other, it's always accurate. And then you can come to me with a quote-unquote prayer request and it's not gossip because you're gonna pray afterwards. Are we guilty of that? Absolutely. See, God knows all this stuff. And we sit there and go, well, okay, but at least I haven't done this. Like, I, I, okay, I've messed up there, but I haven't done this one. And yet James would say in James chapter 2, verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has, been, has become guilty of all of it. So you may say out, of, say out of 10, and there's more than 10, but say there's 10, and you've only screwed up on two, 
But this person screwed up on eight. You're like, I haven't done that. And God's sitting there going, it doesn't matter how many you've broken. You're a lawbreaker. But then we start jumping into this. Well, it's not my fault. I mean, sin hit me from outside of me and made me a sinner. No, 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 no. Guys, we're not sinners because there's sin in the world. There's sin in the world because we're sinners. We brought it. We brought sin. So friends, we're sinners to the core. Before I did anything, I'm a sinner because I'm conceived into sin. That's how helpless we are before God. We can't make ourselves right before God. And so before we jump into John chapter 8, if you want to turn there, it's in the very beginning of the book, the very first book, Genesis chapter 3. This is the fall. I'm going to go through this real quick. God had given this commandment. He's looked at Adam and says, hey, I want you to work the ground and keep it. Then he creates a woman, creates a, a wife for him. And then all of a sudden you get to chapter 3. And they, have, and they have perfection. Everything is perfect. At the end of Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it talks about where God looked at everything and said, this is very good. When you look at that word good in the Hebrew, this is what that one little word means. Now we hear good, it's like, well, that's good. It's not great, but at least it's pretty good. Here's what that word means. Very good means good, merry, pleasant, desirable, in order, usable, efficient, friendly, kind, morally excellent, happy, and right. This is perfection. So when he created everything, he says, this is perfect. Guys, in two chapters, we broke it. It's like God entrusts the whole plan. It's like, hey, this is yours. Be fruitful, multiply. I want you to work the ground and keep it, but have a blast. Just one thing, don't eat from that tree. And I don't think there was anything magical about that tree. He said, just don't, just don't eat from it. Now think about it. Some people go, why do you make that one tree? I guess my question is, why can't you stay away from it? You have the whole planet. Like this whole garden, which I think you can then extend to the whole planet. You have the planet to play on and one thing you're not allowed to do. And you sit there and go, oh, I would never do that. Yes, we would. Because we are exactly the same. The one thing we're told not to do, that's the one thing that we want to do. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, and there it is, friends, stop there just for a second. Guys, the tactics of the enemy is still the same. The enemy will look at you and say, did God actually say, you know, like in his Bible, does it really say this? I mean, don't you know how cultures changed? Shouldn't you Christians, shouldn't you catch up with the times? The culture says this, the book goes against it. You need to change the book so you're in line with culture. Did God actually say? Guys, his tactics haven't changed. The enemy wants you to question the word of God rather than submit to it. So did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did God actually say you can't eat of any tree? No, he said, just don't eat from the one. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, let surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that, there were, that the tree was good for food, that's justification number one, that it was a delight to the eyes, justification number two, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, that's justification number three. 
Guys, we fall into sin when we justify our disobedience. It's like all of a sudden there's this temptation and we justify. Do I get to do it? Should I get to do it? I can come up with three reasons. God, I know you gave one commandment, but I could come up with three reasons as to why I can disobey that because in my mind, in my eyes, this is better. Guys, I gotta be honest. If all nine, eight and a half, nine billion people on our planet all came together and agreed on one thing, which would never happen, we agreed on one thing, and we all stood before a holy God and said, we all agree, all nine billion of us, we agree that you're wrong. God would sit there and go, I don't care. God is always right. And for us to approach him trying to, trying to make him understand, hey, what you're saying here is not correct, so you need to get in line with us, God's sitting there going, absolutely not. So what happens? So she took some of it and she ate. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And then the most, awkward, the most awkward realization in the history of the world happened at this moment. Guys, before this time, which is, this is such a weird concept, they're just walking around naked. Isn't it weird? Yeah, you can laugh at it. It's like, really? Just, I, don't know, I, don't, I just don't see that very often. And if it ever happens, you just kind of know that's not right. But they're just, they don't know clothing. They don't know what, they, they don't know what clothing is. So before this, there's no laundry. Oh, that's awesome. There's like, there's no laundry to have to do. You have to worry. It's like, they're just walking around butt naked, just going. Then all of a sudden, they take a, they take a bite of the fruit, both of them. And all of a sudden, they realize that they were naked. It's like, what the? And they just, they freak out in that moment. And then what do they do? Adam tries to fix the problem by what? Making garments or clothing made out of leaves. That might be one of the dumbest things you could ever do, to make clothing out of leaves. Because at some point, don't those leaves dry out? That is the most uncomfortable underwear I've ever heard of in my life. But this is what they do to cover up their shame. They try to fix it in their own way. And then you get to verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. If I could just hide. Friends, this is the first, I guarantee this is not the first time that God walked through the garden because they recognized it was God walking in the garden. But this is the first time they ran from because they were ashamed. Isn't it amazing how sin causes us to run from God and to hide among everybody else or everything else? Just don't look, don't look at what I've done. Don't, don't pay attention to who I really am. I know that you said this and I didn't do it. You sit there and go, oh, maybe somebody said, I would never do that. I'm not, I'm not really afraid of God. Isn't that amazing? You're not afraid of God. Even as followers of Jesus, if I was to walk up to Christians and say, hey, are you afraid of God? I think most would say, no, no, no. He's my father. Isn't it amazing? We think of this massive, massive, crazy, majestic, incredible God. And we sit and go, I'm not afraid of him. We're afraid of the dentist, but we're not afraid of him. Guys, he's terrifying. And then he invites us into, don't be afraid. There's a difference. It's when we recognize who he really is that we have not just, when people say, a holy respect. I'm like, what does that mean? It's terror. That's why God has to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He's not saying, don't be respectful. He's saying, don't be afraid. Guys, that's the invitation that he gives. So they run, they hide themselves. And the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Verse 10. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was, because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, well, who told you you were naked? Uh-oh. God, I mean, God already knew, but he calls him out. It's like, who told you you were naked? Oh, no. Guys, you ever lied and then got caught in that lie? 
and then you tried to lie to cover up that lie and just realize how bad it got as you kept going? This is like that moment. It's like, oh, we realized we were naked, and so we hit ourselves. Who told you we were naked? Uh-oh. No choice here. And then watch this. Have you eaten of the tree of which I command you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Isn't he a great husband? Like you're standing before God, and he's like, what happened? Did you eat of the fruit of the tree I told you not to eat from? The woman! She gave, the, the woman you gave to me. Who does, who does Adam blame? He, Adam, he, he blames her and who else? God. And don't we do the same thing? It's not my fault. I have these thoughts or feelings and I can't change them. This is who I am. So this is you because you gave me these thoughts and feelings. So this is on you. Isn't it amazing? We still do the same thing today and we feel justified. It's not my fault. The woman you gave me, this is all on you. He looks at the Eve and says, what did you do? It wasn't my fault. The devil made me do it. And then he doesn't ask the devil, what did you do? He just curses him. But then he has to curse the woman, curse the man, because he had told them, if you do this, if you rebel, you will die. Now, is he speaking in that moment physically they would die? No. But spiritually, yes, there's now a break in relationship between the creator and the created. And so we jump back here in John chapter 8. I'm going to try to land the plane as quick as I can. So you have this little thing that went on over here. Jesus is teaching. People are listening, and all of a sudden, the religious leaders, they walk in with this woman caught in the act of adultery. And to embarrass her, she, they just have her stand there, and Jesus is listening to them, and the accusations that they're making against her. Verse 4 in John chapter 8, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? Now, is this what the Bible says? Yes, kind of. Actually, what the Bible says, they didn't bring this part up. It says the law actually prescribed that the man and the woman would be stoned to death. So where's the man? Why are they just using the woman as a prop? Verse 6, this they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring up against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Doesn't that seem like a weird thing to do in this really heated moment? And aren't you kind of ticked that it doesn't say what he wrote? I mean, what do you say? She's supposed to die, and people start picking up rocks. What do you say? He's like, huh, huh. And then he just starts to doodle in the ground. Oh, let me do this. And he's just making a smiley face or whatever he's doing. He just starts to doodle. Guys, her life is on the line, and he's doodling. And maybe we need to remember that. When our life feels like it's on the line, God can doodle because he's not worried about it. He knows what he's going to do. It goes on. Verse 7, as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. And when they had heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Gosh. Doodle stands up. If you're without sin, cast the first stone. Walk, and then goes right back down and starts to write. In the dirt. It says one by one, from oldest to youngest, they start dropping the, they start dropping the rocks. Guys, can you imagine if her eyes are shut and getting ready for the first stone to hit her? Do you know what stoning to death is? It's to take rocks and to throw them at someone until the person dies. Can you imagine the first thud? She winces ready to get hit by it, but it realized, and then she goes, it didn't hit me. Wow, they're a really bad shot. No, it just thud, thud, thud. All of a sudden, one by one, from older to younger, 
they start to drop them all. And this is my conviction. It doesn't say it in the passage, but this is my guess. And I'd heard it first where, when I was a middle school leader for our church right here. And I thought, man, that kind of makes sense to me. What if Jesus all of a sudden, hey, if you without sin, cast the first stone. And then he finds the oldest guy there holding a rock. And he writes their name. And he writes his sin. And he finds the second one. Oh, you're the next oldest. What's up, Jojo? And he just writes Jojo and writes his sin. For without sin, cast the first stone. Oh, I see you. And all of a sudden, one by one, they all walk away. Now watch this at the end. Verse 10, Jesus stood up. I'm sorry, before that. Verse 9, when they heard it, they went, one, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go now, and from now on, sin no more. Guys, the thing is, Jesus could have picked up a rock and killed her because he was without sin, right? He says, like, I would never do that. I wouldn't. Or would we? We may not throw a physical one. Maybe you don't have that in you, but we actually can throw verbal ones, right? We could hurt someone. Isn't it amazing that social media, I don't know if you have it, but how brave people are on social media, but how wussy they are face-to-face. It's like, oh, you want some of this? You see it, bam, bam, you're just going. But when it's face-to-face, man, I won't say a word. So we do the same kind of thing. We just have different rocks that we throw. But Jesus looks at her and says, woman. Why call her woman? Guys, it's a term of endearment because she wasn't being treated like a woman. She's being treated like an object. So he instills her value right there in one word, woman. Is no one here to condemn you? She's like, nobody. And what's he say? Then neither do I condemn you. But leave your life of sin. Guys, it's called repentance. It's a word I don't think is used very often as much as it should be from behind a pulpit. Repentance means, hey, you're going one direction. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn and go 180 and go back the other direction. I'm going to leave something and go towards something. Guys, you have to leave sin and go to Jesus. Last thing, promise. Genesis chapter 1 or chapter 3. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. After Jesus curses the serpent and the woman and the man, it says in verse 21, the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. And so they go, really? Why? Well, they're standing there with leaves as their clothes. But here's the thing. To get garments from an animal, garments of skin from an animal, to make garments, to get the skin from an animal, what do you have to do to the animal to get the skin from the animal? Yeah. You have to kill it. So do you see that this is the first killing of something that's innocent? The shedding of blood that has to happen so that those who are guilty can be covered all by the grace of God. In the same chapter that we broke it, God said, this is how I'm going to fix it. I'm going to take that one who is innocent and he's going to shed his blood so that I can cover you all because of my grace. Friends, that's the God that we worship. That's the God that we serve. But our sin is a reality, and we need to address it and deal with it. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. In the midst of our rebellion against you, for sin is rebellion against you. It's not just, oops, I made a mistake, but it's rebellion against you. God, thank you for grace. Holy Spirit, convict of sin those who don't know you today.
Convict of sin, those of us who do, but we haven't acknowledged a, a certain sin that we've been living in. Convict us of that, that we might repent from it, confess it, and be free from it. God, we love you. We're so thankful that you love us like you do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you all the morning.